Hello and welcome to part two of the Just Get A Real Job birthday special. Thank you to everyone who listened to part one. Thank you for coming back and listening to part two as well. Um, if you haven't caught part one yet, maybe go back and listen to that. But you don't have to. I mean, this would still make sense, I guess. Thank you again to everyone for the nice feedback, the kind birthday wishes as well. This was obviously great fun to do. I'm very, very grateful, as I said in part one, to Rebecca for, for doing this interview. She's a fantastic host and... Yeah, very, very grateful to her for doing this. Um, it was great fun. Get to do a, a nice face-to-face interview live from the back garden. But anyway, I'll just get on with this. You, you, you heard the intro last. This is part two. You know, you know, most of you know what the score is. So I hope you enjoy part two. I feel like me and Rebecca really got into a lot more deep conversation in this part. Um, there's a lot more about sort of my life, things that have inspired me, um, as well as obviously answering more questions from listeners and patrons. But yeah, I hope you enjoy, folks. One, two. Creative industries are in a mess Artists' livelihoods are torn to shreds The government want to spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retraining scheme Such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government have decimated the industry Now the years of hard work have been thrown away And people who don't care what they will say just get a real job birthday special hey and now here's your host rebecca riddle hello and welcome to part two of our just get a real job birthday special we're back we had a, we had a wee break some mojitos um yes that so, should be interesting yeah we'll get slightly more tipsy as it goes on um but yeah as of before, massive thank you to our amazing team behind the camera. We've got Elliot on the sound over there, We've got Carolyn on the camera, mm-hmm. and then obviously you're very kindly hosting this for me. <laughs> and I'm taking over as host oh, again. No, I can't no, help okay. myself. I can't help myself. I'm also um, going to say a special thanks to Liam for this very strong meeting. Yeah, he's done a good lovely. job on this. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Perfect. So, how did you find part one? Yeah, it was good, I think. Um, blabbered on a bit. Um, <laughs> but I know it was good. It's, it's really fun to do this like live. and it, It's, yeah. it's kind of weird because we're just like, in the back garden at my flat, but it's nice. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite a nice day for it. Eh? The sun's slowly coming round, so mm-hmm. we're getting a bit more sun on us. But um, no, it's good. I enjoyed some really good questions, so I'm I interested know. to see what people have asked in the second part. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, we've got some more audio questions and also some written ones. So I'm going to kick us off with an audio one, if you're okay with that. Yeah, of course. And this is a question from Ellie Higgins. Hello, Jamie. Happy birthday. I hope you're having a good podcast so far. My question for you is, what is your best or most cherished memory from uni? I would like to know. Obviously, we knew each other then and we were pals, but um, we're better pals now, so it would be nice to know. what. Yeah, what do you value most? What memory? What happened? Please tell in great detail. I look forward to hearing it. Happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, a really nice, nice question. That's a lovely question. Um... So obviously Elio mean my time at Queen Margaret um mm-hmm. did my undergraduate. And I think what my best memory would be from that. It was like four years of my life, so there's a lot of good times there. It was obviously like when I moved to uni at eighteen, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Not that I do now, but mm-hmm. um I was really young and 
you know, it was di- it was just different. Like, do you know what I mean? Like the way you viewed the world at eighteen is very different to how you view the world at twenty five. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember just sort of turning up at Queen Margaret and halls and being like, "What the?" F-? I was terrified. Like, I, I didn't. It took me a long time to settle in at uni. Like, I I nearly dropped out of uh, the oh, film wow. theatre course. I just didn't really make friends at first and didn't really like where I lived. But it went on to be really really fun. So, mm-hmm. you know what my best memory actually would be because Ellie was part of it as well. Uh, we used to have this thing called the Big Bang at the end of each year. Uh, you were at Queen Margaret briefly, so you yeah. probably remember it. I don't know if you ever attended it, but they did this really good thing called the Big Bang where the union would sell off all their alcohol and like everyone would show up for like a big party, mm-hmm. like drinking outside. And it was always sunny. It was always really nice. And uh, is there a bee near me? There was a wasp. Is it gone? <laughs> it's gone. I'm actually terrified of wasps, so if anyone has a question of what I'm most scared of, it's, uh, it's a wasp. But <laughs> I didn't flinch that time, so there you go. See, um, we are outside. <laughs> I know, it's very nice. Um, but yeah, no, I'd probably say the Big Bang, just like, I don't really, I, they sort of all blend into one, but I think my favourite year of uni was second year, because that's when I started becoming really good friends with everyone. I think that was when I properly first spoke to Ellie as well. I remember speaking mm-hmm. to her more in second year, but we had a really, we had some really fun times. I think one of, I had a really nice time, I remember being her birth, we did a birthday night out, I think, for her birthday once. That was really fun. Yeah. I feel like I'm not going into as much detail as Ellie probably wants me to, of good memories from uni. No, there's loads of fun times. I also, like, I loved, uh, there was a great lecturer called Steve Kramer. He was really good. He used to give amazing lectures about theatre and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Craig pointed this out because he asked the question that just reminded me I can't say theatre without sounding like really like theatre oh, I always say it really weird <laughs> way so yeah I don't know if the listeners have picked up on that but um, <laughs> Queen Margaret that was a, it was a great time in life though it was it was nice to just be young and just sort mm-hmm. of things you know not being I feel like nowadays I can't wake up and just be like I'm going to have a really, you know, relax and, like, not be worrying about what I'm doing, what I'm working on, like, you know, what podcast needs to come mm-hmm. out, what job I'm applying for, what I'm writing. But whereas, like, back then, I felt like I just sort of... Just you were go, in a routine, weren't just, you? It was just, like, I didn't care about it. I was like, I'm going to be in uni this week. And, like, you know, I did care about things, but it was different. It wasn't as, like... Yeah. I felt like it was more innocent and fun in mm-hmm. a different way. So, yeah, really, really fun time. So that's a, that was a nice question. Some yeah. nostalgia there. I think as well, like, you were talking a lot about you know, being 18, going into halls, but QMU is, like, quite out the way, isn't it? I mean, it's not even somewhere central. It's, yeah. It's there. And it's out in Musselburgh. It's like a big spaceship. That just yeah, it was nice living out there, actually, because we were so near Edinburgh. Yeah. You know, it just reminded me of my favourite memory from Queen Margaret. <laughs> I shouldn't I really say this on a... No, I feel like I shouldn't say this on a podcast. I love trying to avoid the train conductor on the five-minute journey from Waverley <laughs> to Musselburgh. I used to, we'd always play a game. And like just avoid trying to trying and trying to evade the conductor. That that was always so fun. But yeah, you're right. It was out of the way, and it was yeah. it was something nice about that because it felt like its own little yeah part of the world. So yeah, it was a lovely little campus, and some really nice people met I met there, and yeah, it was good. So you went to QMU first, didn't you? And then you went to Napier. Yeah. So did four years at Queen Margaret. Then I had a year out where I did not know what I wanted to do with my mm-hmm. life, and I worked full time in the job I do now still. Funnily enough, still in that job, so it's uh, <laughs> my real job uh, as a carer, support mm-hmm. worker. And I did a year working, and I did lots of things. To be fair, I did. Um, I worked as a freelance journalist for some magazines online, doing film reviews. That was quite fun. And it, the, what actually I did was I did the intro to screenwriting course at Screen Academy, and that's what got me into the masters. That's what made me decide I wanted to be a screen, like pursue mm-hmm. screenwriting. Brilliant. So did you always know that you wanted to sort of go into the world of theatre and writing and everything when you were at school? Was it just like a natural progression or...? 
what made you want to go and do something creative? Well, I feel like maybe in part one touched on it a wee bit, Mm -hmm. but like as a teenager, the main thing I wanted to do in my life was I wanted to be the front man of a band. Yeah. With Elliot and the boys. The Vendettas, we were called. And um, <laughs> he's picking his mic up, he's got something to add. Amazing band, so it yeah, was. We were terrible, and we played some of our mu- terrible music on uh, episode four. If you haven't listened to episode four and you're listening to this, go back and listen to it. You can hear some of me and Elliot's terrible music we made. Um, but it was good fun. That was like, the thing I wanted to do. But I didn't have any confidence at school. And something I kind of feel I should probably touch on is, which I have on the podcast before, but I'm dyslexic and dyspraxic. So I struggled at school. Not, not what I wasn't bright. I just struggled with exams and essays and mm-hmm. I, I expressing myself. I was very shy and I had a lot of confidence issues. And what got me out of that was the music, but it was drama was the biggest thing, which I think you talked to me about your love of drama at high school in Ireland. Yeah, that was yeah. definitely one of the, the main things that kind of, and I think as well, not so much the subject, but the people around you. So like I had, a really, yeah. I had three like really good teachers that inspired me yeah. to go you know you could, you can do this and I think that makes a difference I think that makes a difference in any subject you do though like sometimes whoever's taking you through it has that magical touch that sort of goes oh absolutely and there was there was a few teachers that really helped me um, but there was a great amazing drama teacher called Miss Barr mm-hmm. and she was so good with me and like she taught me and I, I did stand a great drama with my best friend Damien well one of my best friends like so me and Elliot probably should name them all they'll get a name I think Sam's got a question to ask yeah. later on but me Sam Damien Elliot and Liam uh, the five of us were like brothers growing up we, we were like such a that was an amazing group to have growing up like we all were all very creative and me and Damien did drama together in standard grade and higher and like it was just me and Damien and like not there was maybe one or two other boys in the class but it was just all like me and all the it was me and Damien and like all these like girls and not in that way but like it was just like a really I don't know how to make that without sounding creepy there but it was just like a really feminine environment does that make sense mm-hmm. but it was really nice because it felt different to everything else at the time I don't know no let's 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 yeah it wasn't like that's what <laughs> yeah. I mean by that it wasn't like this sort of growing up in a quite working class town like an officer is quite a laddie place in that sense and I felt like that was a nice escape from the usual shit you'd get and like sort of I was terrible at maths right and in my maths class I was these like kind of like knobs who would like give you shit and wind me up for doing drama but drama was like a safe place that's what I was trying to say by that that's what I meant by that comment um with a crazy lad, so we are. Yeah. Crazy creative bunch. Wild. Yeah, because like, I'd also go and like do music stuff with Elliot sometimes in the music rooms, but like I used to just escape to drama. And the biggest thing for my confidence was in S6, I got to I, I got a leading role in We Will Rock You. Oh, amazing. Which Lisa, if she's listening, will be pissing herself laughing because she was one of the leads as well. We had such a good time. And um, I played Brett, who gets killed off at the end of Act 1. And I've, I think I've told the story on the podcast before that like I died at the end of Part 1. But on the second night of the production, I died. And I, I overuse this anecdote, but it still makes me laugh. And I, when I died, right, I thought I wanted the audience to be sad for me because my character had just been shot dead. <laughs> I heard laughing. And I'm like, why is everyone laughing? What had happened was in the second night of the show, which my, I think my mum and dad were that one as well, my head was sticking out from the curtain. Oh, because yeah. I hadn't blocked it and had fallen forward too far. <gasps> And uh, yeah, everyone was laughing and I just felt myself being pulled back under the curtain. Oh, that's so but funny. doing that musical was so good for me as a pet. I don't know, it just, because I got to sing and I got to act. Be free. I, I loved it. and Let your hair down. Yeah. I did lights for that production. So like when it came to that second night and then he was pulled out like from the curtain, I was just zooming in on the light saying, oh, there we go. Let's get the spotlight right <laughs> in there. Make sure everyone can see it. embarrass my pal like that. Yeah, it was incredible though. But um, yeah. It was yeah. good. No, it was really good. And um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think 
I feel like I went on a big tangent. No, no, not, not at all. So, what made you like pick like Queen Margaret and? That's quite a me? that's quite a good story actually because, so I didn't know what I wanted to do because my mum my mum and dad are so supportive of my art and stuff and they really are. But my my dad sort of was like, why I loved history at school. My dad sort of was like, well, you could do a degree in history, so I was going to do history. And then in S five because of the drama stuff, I've, I had this big notion: I'm going to be a director. Which is crazy because now I've worked in the industry. I don't. Re- I've never directed anything professionally, and I don't really see myself as a director, and that's okay. I don't think I would be a good director personally. Maybe one day, but I don't really see myself as a director. I've never really, as a at this age, looked at it like that. But at that age, I was like, I'm going to be this director. I didn't understand what a director was. I thought I'm going to make all these films and be a director. So I applied to do film courses, but I love drama. So for some stupid reason, Matt. Well, it's not stupid because it got me to where I'm now. But my personal statement was drama and film. But it was so it was like for two clearly different things. So I applied to all these courses, rejection after rejection after rejection. He remembers, I literally remember one day I came home from school and I got rejected from the fifth thing and I was just so upset. But then I'd also forgotten I'd applied to Theatre and Film. It's like a backup or something. And I got a conditional offer for Theatre and Film at Queen Margaret. So the the real reason I went there was it was the only place that would take me. But what was even more funny was I got a conditional for Queen Margaret, but I had to pass maths. And I'm dyslexic, I'm num- what's it, numerexic. Discalculus. Discalculus, yeah. that's the word for it, thank you. I'm, disca- I'm terrible at maths, I can't count. I'm just so bad at it. I failed maths three times, um, which I think is good for the listeners to know, that you don't have to be good at everything. Like, But like I, fa- I was terrible at maths and I failed it. I didn't get the conditional. I didn't get it. So I went to drama, to do drama at Adam Smith College. I went to do the introduction there. But then Queen Margaret phoned me, they're like, you haven't accepted your offer. I went, no, I didn't get in. And they went, no, no, you did. <gasps> At that point, I cried because I was with him with the whole journey, like Mm. all these rejections, rejections. I'm like, come on, get my boy in there. Let's get him in there. And then finally, when it came to that point, I actually started to cry a wee bit because it was just so emotional at that point. I was like, he's bloody done it. it. He's bloody done it. Yeah. It's amazing. No, it was, yeah. So I just suddenly got into uni. And then within like two weeks, I was going to uni. So I had to like, my mum, I remember my mum taking me down to Asda, buying me bed sheets and driving me out to Musselburgh and... And suddenly I was in, yeah, I was in Edinburgh, I was doing around all these people, but I didn't, as I said earlier, didn't particularly enjoy the course at first, because I was really awkward still, and I don't think I knew who I was, and I think I just broke up with somebody, and I was all, like, in a weird place, and... Do you think part of it maybe was as well that you didn't think you were going, so you Yeah, that was it, I didn't, like, I didn't have the yourself. mental preparedness, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was meant to be going to college up the road, living at home for another year, yeah. so I wasn't ready, and I think there's, I'd actually, I think me and Ellie talked about this in our episode, but... I don't think people should. There should be as much pressure on people to go to uni from school. If you want to, you should. Yeah. I think you did the college route for a bit. There's nothing wrong with yep. going to college. It's absolutely. An absolutely admirable thing to do, and I think I probably would have benefited from going having a year before uni. But yeah. got to where I am now. So yeah, and you know, it's it was an experience, and it's part of you, and that that's the path you've taken. No one takes the exact same path. Like you and I were talking about this. We're really about not fitting into that mold like everyone yeah because like for example like we all fit into different molds and then we all have different stages of getting to where we want to be so i think yeah it's not always one set universal path it's just kind of you find your own way what's best for you and then you go for it do you know what i mean so yeah absolutely no it's so true like i thought there isn't a path everyone has a different path that's what i've learned the most about this podcast there's no rule you everyone everyone has such a different experience getting to where they are and like we're still learning we're still you know we're still we're still on that path now like i don't know where i don't know where i'm gonna end up working like i don't like this was never meant to happen this podcast like i know i'm doing it and i love it but 
you know what I mean? It, it, life takes you in so many unexpected places, yeah. and it's exciting and it's terrifying as well. I have days where it really freaks me out, but like I kind of that's part of it. Love it, yeah. So to answer your question, yeah, I just I was at Queen Margaret, and yeah, I was there, and mm-hmm. and then from like sort of the end of the first year there, I got really into it and made some mm-hmm. really lovely met some really lovely people in. Yeah. Um, and then, so after you, you stayed there to second year, did you say, and then you? I, that the, so the sort of end of the first year, I got I started to love the course, okay. and I, I wasn't as unhappy as I had been. And it was never the course I didn't like; it was just I wasn't settled living. I wasn't. I was away from home. I didn't know how to look after myself. I was taking washing home every week. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I didn't. I couldn't cook. I was living on bloody fish fingers and chips and oh, stuff. Oh no! Now I eat really that, fresh. Um, what's it called, Maggie's? <laughs> yeah, I was eating like cur- they did the best curly fries in the world. Still, yeah. I used to eat curly fries. Yeah, but I just didn't have a clue what I was doing. Um, mm. But th- I got it right the second. Yeah, after yeah. that, it was much nicer. And th- so the decision to go to Screen Academy was that just a. I like the look of it. Or so, as I was saying as well, I did the intro to screenwriting course, mm-hmm. and I'd sort of worked on some films at Screen Academy. I'd, I sort of worked on a few shorts with people I knew after when, in the year out when I was working full time. I was working on loads of creative stuff, and I quite liked it. And I thought this looks nice. And I knew Nigel who did the course, and Nigel's a great, great guy, and um, very lo- nice lecturer. Just and he he's done really good things. He I've learned a lot from him and some of the lecturers, but I really liked it. And, and I was there with Craig actually who we just asked the question recently and was on the podcast obviously and we both decided we'd do the masters and yeah i did it and i'll have a very because of covid yeah the masters was a really weird mixed bag but when i first arrived you know when you feel like you'd arrived yeah that's how i felt you the, felt at home the first three months of my masters probably some of the best times of my life i felt like i had suddenly just I'd, and it was the same place i'd lived for five years but like Liam had, had was living in Edinburgh and he'd moved up so I was living with him and Bao for her live with we were having really nice we had a really nice flat like sort of dynamic at home and I was around all these amazing people in class I was learning all this stuff and I just felt like I'd arrived I felt like mm-hmm. the cent- the universe had finally like you were in the right place and then second semester things got a little bit stressful I had some tough things going on and I'm, I, I, I try and talk about mental health on the podcast but I wasn't in a good place my granddad got diagnosed yeah. with sadly with cancer which was really difficult on me and my family and I found that hard and then Covid happened so th- I didn't really get out what I should have got out from that course if I'm really honest with myself Yeah. I didn't particularly enjoy this, the last half of the course and it was nothing to do with the course, the course was great the people, some lovely people yeah. um, I, the course alone was worth it, I met some amazing people, I made some yeah. great friends and um, I don't regret it at all but I did really struggle last summer doing writing a film during a lockdown and during a pandemic and it, and it really did knock my confidence in yeah, my script writing. It but. would. So, I mean, you've touched on it already, so I, I, I'm presuming, that, well, I'm assuming that I know the answer already and so the listeners, but what was the other career path like? Oh, I wanted to be a journalist. For oh, was it? I thought you were going to say music. Well, I did, so I never know, I've, as I'm really open about it, I don't know exactly the area I want to work in now. Mm-hmm. I love podcasting, I like writing, although I've not been doing a lot of it, to be perfectly honest, recently. I, I think... We'll come on to this part of answering now later, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So I'll leave that just now. But, th- yeah, I wanted... So when I was younger, I wanted to be... I, I still do. I think I'll always have this in me. I wanted to be in a band. 
I wanted to be the front man of an indie band singing all these songs that you, I wanted to be Alex Turner I wanted to be my you know what I mean that, <laughs> <Who> doesn't <laughs> that was like me as a like as a teenager I wanted to be like one of my heroes um, yeah. and I still have that inside me like I think me and Elliot are going to record some music again over the summer and do some covers and that'll be really cool. fun yeah man I'll be excited to do that man honestly yeah, yeah. so <laughs> we're going to so that's something I'm definitely can, I'd love to get back into because I, I don't sing anymore and I miss it but I kind of briefly wanted to be a journalist as well or thought I might maybe could be a journalist and yeah. like do a master's in journalism just to give me a different skill mm-hmm. like for some reason I thought there was a jobs in journalism as well it's not <laughs> how it works um, but then I decided no I want to do the whole message of this podcast I want yeah. to do what I want to do for not just to get money so this is where I am now yeah yeah and that's why I did the writing course and it was also just great to be at a film school because I got to work on all the student films I got to be on set as a runner which I've continued now as well and worked on quite a lot of sets and I love that. I just love being around people. I love being around creative people. That's what I think I got most out of it. Just being around like-minded people, speaking to like-minded people. and Sponging it all sponging up. Sponging it all up, yeah. <laughs> like you like to as well. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we have, you mentioned him, Sam. Oh, has a question Sam. for you. It's quite a long one. Oh, um, God, what's he like? It looks like three questions in one. Should keep asking, man. <laughs> keep let, them short. <laughs> I know. Let's hear it. All of these other people have you know got more than one question but anyhow when writing scripts how do you come up with ideas and decide what to write about is there a particular process you follow answer that bit first <laughs> um i don't have a set process and i think i usually have an idea and it's usually very similar because i, I tend to write very very as people as caroline would joke it's very jamie scripts and i don't know i tend to yeah i tend to write quite I, I think I actually call myself a budget writer because I always think I'm going to set something in very limited places kind of like because I started off in playwriting that's what I did at undergrad so like I tend to write things that are a few people talking very dialogue driven scripts so usually it comes from like an idea about a conversation between two characters and it usually will grow from there but it just depends like I mean I'm a massive not plagiarist but I, I tend to get inspired by things I love and sort of write similar that's how it works things with them. yeah what is it David Bowie is it David Bowie no it's Picasso or someone said like good artists borrow great artists steal or something mm-hmm. uh, and I've always loved that quote but, um, <laughs> and also just working with other people like um, my flatmate Balfour who's up the stairs right now from the garden you probably see him kicking about he is my he because I'm dyslexic he edits all my scripts for me and he checks That's a spelling which is really sweet and uh, very kind of if I say if I refer to him in the word sweet he'll be like what the hell are you say not that he's ever going to listen to this to be fair but he's <laughs> very kind of him and um you know he will he'll give me a lot of ideas as well he'll sort of suggest things and I, mm-hmm. I, my friends and people will read things and give me feedback and yeah so that I suppose that plays a part I help out with the bios for each episode so you're welcome you do the spell check <laughs> yeah do the spell check the punctuation yeah, it's all good like bios. yeah that is the difficult thing about being dyslexic I can be a writer it can be frustrating to express yourself sometimes, but don't let it hold you back. Yeah. Actually, one of the guests that we had, her name was Eleanor. She does, um, I'll just plug that, actually, uh, which is Sad Fence uh, calendar, what she does. And she is also dyslexic. Mm. And she graduated as an actor last year and then started writing. And she actually doesn't get people to check her scripts because that's her voice. And when she gives the scripts to like her actors and things, she was saying how that people will go, did you mean this word? And she'll go, yeah, but she likes to kind of just write it and then see what comes out. It's almost as if that's her voice, which I thought was really interesting as well. Like, do no. you do you find that like there's a difference after someone edits it, edits it for you? Like, I think 
I'm just a bit hard on myself, so I think if I just know something's been edited and something's clearer, it just feels better. Yeah. I feel like it can be very frustrating when I read something back if it's not been spell-checked because I'm just like, it just feels like a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, but And it is really frustrating, and it does stop me writing things. And it makes me, like, I am really interested in working in development um, as a job, and I've just mm-hmm. applied for it, fingers crossed, I've just applied for a job in development. But I'm really scared because I can't spell, and my written brief isn't good in the terms of spelling and and punctuation and stuff and that does worry me and I do find applying for jobs and things difficult because I'm a dyslexia but I, that can't hold me back and it shouldn't and I, and I used to hide behind my dyslexia I used to be embarrassed to tell people it. now I'm proud of it it's part of you it's part of me like I, I you know the best example and there's a great there was a great um, she came and did some lectures and she's a I think she's a development producer called Caroline Sinclair Kidd amazing woman really really kind and she um, she was doing like like reading over a script I'd written and I wrote a line saying like it was about he's wearing a denim jacket disguising a shirt and tie something like that was a line and I accidentally wrote disgusted by a shirt and tie or a shirt and tie disgusted by a denim jacket that was it and she loved that line she thought that's better and, I, and that was dyslexia that was a happy accident so it can make <laughs> up some cool. lovely sentences so I just really think it's good to talk about because there's a lot of famous writers and successful writers mm. that are dyslexic and yeah. it didn't stop them so no it should stop anybody. No, no disability stop. should. I work in care and some of the people I work with are so talented and smart and, mm-hmm. you know, disability shouldn't hold anyone back. And I'm really proud that we've been able to talk about that on the podcast as well with people like yeah. Elliot and people like Christopher and things. Disability yeah. is not a barrier. It it's shouldn't not. be. Nothing should be a barrier in this industry. But there is too many barriers still. We need to, we need to break them down. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess you've kind of already answered it, but just if there mm. was anything else, like, is there any advice? Any advice? Yeah. Is there any advice you would give to other screenwriters? Um, so, do you mean like, do you, is this the sort of last question of the podcast that everyone uh, answered? Ca- no, um, so right. this is in connection to like the process that you follow. Right, okay, that's fine. I just wanted to check because I'll give them more. Yeah. Yeah, so I think like my advice to just to specifically screenwriters is something I've really learned in the last four or five months particularly is just and I think it's something Blind Boy talked about in his podcast it's, it, as an artist it's, it works as an artist as well but I think particularly as a writer it's just detaching your self-work from your work is very important because what you write shouldn't define you as a person if you write something bad doesn't mean you're a bad person or you're a talented you're not, a talent, you're not got a talent or you're a bad writer you have to write bad to be good and you don't also have to be good at everything like sometimes you know you might not be uh, you know is good at, you know you might not be good at that writing that particular story and that's also okay i think like being being able to accept sometimes that you maybe have a weak point is okay as an artist as well mm-hmm. but i think just yeah so i think if you're writing something just and you have to write bad to write good i think it's the best advice i've ever had and it's also just i also hate the thing people say to be a writer you have to write every day no you don't you don't have to write every day just write when you want to write right but or you feel just, like you just be consistent but write in a way that's good, kind to your mental health because we're really hard on ourselves as artists sometimes, especially yeah. writers. And I, I certainly am guilty of getting myself worth from my writing sometimes and or my podcast, do you know what I mean? You, you know, I have days where I check the stats for the podcast and it shouldn't ma- not matter about stats and four people have listened and I'm like, well, why have only four people listened today? And it's like, or why is my script bad? It, it doesn't matter, it doesn't, you know, yeah. like it doesn't always mean it's going to be like that and also like scripts develop over time so I think part of it is absolutely you've said it your mindset on it I, I um, participated in a workshop well kind of like spectated it really mm. and it was all it was called the joy in writing like so writing a play for yourself 
and it was all about finding the joy and I think like we put quite a lot of not pressure but we always want to like make sure we're making a point with our writing or using um like if it's something political or like making sure that we've got a strong message in it but sometimes it can just be something <laughs> like I think if you don't overthink it and enjoy the process sometimes those things do come naturally absolutely yeah no it's, it's true it's like just I think it's the enjoying the process like Achaso spoke about it so well in her episode like episode 24 like um, just being able to enjoy the process and en- and doing it f- for the reason why you started doing it because you love it not because of you what you're going to get at the end not yeah. not about the objective and yeah that so that I think that's so important just enjoying it and doing it because you love it that's absolutely absolutely the best advice I could yeah you could give someone perfect well, we've got a few questions from Kyle, who's mm-hmm. also been on the podcast. And we've, again, he's been cheeky with a few questions. Um, Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll kind of move backwards, actually, because it's working well with the flow. Um, how much of Jamie McKinley do you put into your script? And um, <laughs> he knows do fine. you think writing in general has to be completely formed around personal experience? Oh, you know who would be really good to answer this question? Carolyn would be great for that because she, <laughs> she wrote in her book an amazing chapter about, like, I'm my own muse. But um, mm-hmm. Kyle Kyle knows fine well that he, because he's worked with me, we'd worked together in scripts and projects. But um, I tend to write a lot from personal experience. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have to. But I've, I've always been more interested as a writer in what I know. I love to see films of things I like and to watch things, you know, watch films that, that I enjoy and you. you know the films I enjoy aren't a helicopter blown up or a superhero film it's films about things I can relate to like Trainspotting or films like Francis Ha or Before Sunrise like things I can actually relate to more so yeah there's definitely I don't know I, I think you I don't think it matters but I think the best scripts tend to probably be from things you can relate to but you can also re- you can write about your own life and write a fantasy book you yeah. can still draw on parts of yourself but I think yeah I tend to tend to personally write from personal mm. experience um but maybe I should try and spice it up a bit. I probably should write something a bit less about based on my own life, and I might well do that in the future. Mm. Um, but that's a good question. Thanks, Kyle. And um, I guess, like, on the same tone as that, obviously you are a big fan of music. Does music influence your writing in any yes, way? Yes, massively. I will go for walks, and I listen to so much music, so much, many different types of music, and I imagine scenes. That's how I come up with ideas, actually. I think somebody asked that earlier. Um, a lot, one of the ways I do that is um, I think it was Sam but one of the ways I do that is by listening to music and you know going for walks and like just I, you know I hear a song and I imagine a scene or I get a mood and I write about the mood and the feeling if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, so yeah that music's a huge huge factor and the other question he has is did you ever feel timid or scared about saying that you wanted do something creative I suppose did you have any embarrassment yeah or? absolutely I still <laughs> you know that this whole podcast about we all do not anymore I'm so proud of it people are probably sick of me talking about the fact that I work in the creative industries I, <laughs> I pinch myself every day that I'm doing this as a career I love it I love it and it is stressful and we do have days but like I wouldn't change it for the world like you know getting to do this is incredible and, and you know getting to like have this conversation with you like i think that's so cool yeah. and like i'm sure when i'm working on sets or something or working in development or whatever i end up doing in the future like i'll probably be like oh this isn't as glamorous as i maybe thought it was but like to, right now i'm so enthusiastic i was yeah. on a set recently as covid supervisor and um, someone said to me it won't always be this exciting jv because i was so enthusiastic and i was just i find that i was just laughing they, they thought it was adorable that i was just like so, so like <laughs> you know buzzing 
but um, yeah so it did it did used to maybe embarrass me because it's it, it, I think we talked about loads as well the idea of notions on the podcast like and it's a very Scottish and Irish thing like getting you know mm-hmm. thinking feeling like you've got an idea above your station and like coming from Glen Office not a lot of artists around although maybe more than I thought from doing the podcast cause we mm-hmm. have had quite a few on but it's more that it, I, I do feel like an imposter still I do get a massive sense of imposter syndrome so that is something I still feel quite heavily so how do you overcome those sort of feelings of feeling you know like an imposter feeling a little bit embarrassed like have you ever had those moments I don't know how I overcome them I I don't think I have if I'm truthfully honest I think I still right now feel like a bit of an imposter like you saw me before we started this podcast I was a bit stressed (laughs) and you know I think it'll come in time I'm growing into it more though I'm definitely growing into it but if I'm perfectly honest I'm still figuring out how to become more comfortable and and having self-belief I've always had a bit yeah, of self-confidence issues but I'm getting better at it and I'm seems to be going alright in there Elliot so <laughs> we're doing okay absolutely yeah. <laughs> um, well we have another question from Connor and his question is how do you deal with external and internal setbacks it's a good question big shout out to Connor Borthwick who was at Queen mm-hmm. Margaret with um, he's a patron as well and very oh. supportive of the podcast I appreciate it so yeah how do I deal with external and internal I think having really really good friends around you and really supportive network is how I do it I just get kick up the arse from Liv or someone Liv for example one of my best mates I'll like phone her up or text her and be like oh I'm feeling a bit stressed you know other people have got jobs and I haven't and she just gives me a big kick up the arse and says like you'll get one it's good you care that shows you're hungry but I've, I don't know how if I, there's a certain way I deal with it I just think picking yourself up trying to just remind yourself why you do it in the first place because you love it and keeping that enthusiasm keeping that fire burning and it is hard I struggle with it some days but I think that keeps me going and, and knowing people like you Rebecca like you know lockdown links is so inspiring and, and what you do is great as well so just having that amazing community we're building yeah. it just makes such a big difference absolutely it makes it, it just makes everything easier like I, this is one of the things that I kind of see in the sessions is networking has a huge stigma behind it of you need to sell yourself and you know showcase all your talents and it can be overwhelming especially if you're quite like a quiet person or a bit of an introvert and networking is this it's asking each other questions you know clicking over things that you know that you relate to or connect to it's it's not a scary thing like just having a chat it shouldn't be anyway yeah just no i just think networking you know it's you know networking just should be about being yourself and being mm-hmm. able to express yourself with other people in, in a comfortable way and when it when it works like that it's great and yeah. you know just having people around you like for example today i know nothing about sound i've got elliot mitchell here caroline <laughs> i've got doing the camera stuff because she's done that before in the past and because leo's also betrayed us for outlander but i'm glad caroline's <laughs> here i'm really glad she is actually she's doing a great job and you know, it's just having having people around. And you've around. got Liam on. Yeah, of course, Liam on cocktails, and <laughs> you know, slagging me off. Um, so just having people you you know you know that can do different things, and just you know, it's just great to have that network around you. It keeps me going. I would be nowhere without my friends and network. I would be nowhere, and that that's what gets me up every morning. So that's how I would answer that question. Aww. That's a lovely answer. So we have a live question, Jamie. Oh, very excited. Is it from Car... Yeah, there she is. It's from the lovely Caroline. So, let's hear it, mate. (laughs) Hey, Jamie. Uh, Thanks for a great podcast, as always, and happy birthday. So my question is, what do you find the most scary about being creative? Like, yeah, just everything, telling people about it, expressing yourself. 
Mm, that's a very good question. Kind of similar in mm. tone what we've been talking about. I don't know what what do I find most scary. I think the uncertainty of it scares me because I'm work I'm, to pay the bills. I work in care right now, and a mm. lot of my friends are starting to get their first big jobs as trainees on films and stuff. And it is difficult. And I'm, I'm yeah. my biggest fear is being left behind. And I don't think that's I don't think that's logical because I don't think I think I'm hardworking and talented enough that I probably will be able to get a career in this industry if I keep trying my best and getting up and, and putting the work in. It's all about putting the work in as well. I think Joe said something great. Luck's 5% of it. Luck's sending the email on the right day, knowing the person. Yeah, being at the right luck place at the right time. Luck is important, but you've got to put the work in. 95% of it has to be you proactively seeking out things. There will be some people that are really privileged that are going to get it handed to them. That's just life. But you, I think for most people, you've got to put the work in. And my biggest fear is just... I think my biggest fear, yeah, is just sort of the uncertainty of not being able to succeed mm. um, did that answer your question okay Caroline good yeah, thumbs up right on there on the words of Britney Spears you better work bitch that's <laughs> what <laughs> she would say <laughs> well, yeah, we, can, we can put that in <laughs> do not beat me Elliot <laughs> alright <laughs> um, well you've kind of said quite a lot anyway but I'll just ask if there's anything like that we've missed but do you have any tips for anyone who wants to work in the creative industries like where would be your first place to start so I ask this question every week on the podcast as you know <laughs> and I've had some brilliant answers and thank you so, for being so honest about it uh, open and honest yes <laughs> um, so I feel like I'm trying to think of if there's anything that someone else has not already said that I can also offer but I think for me I think something I've already said is enjoying the process of it mm-hmm. enjoying why you're actually doing it and being present and being present in what you're doing and not just doing it for an end goal, not just doing it for an objective, just, you know, enjoying what you're doing and, and doing it for what you, the reason you love it and just, you know, just enjoying it for what it is. And I think something else I'll just say, that I could say so many things, but like I think something I've talked about on an episode coming out next week with Georgia, who's a dancer, is looking after yourself. I think Craig talked about this on his episode as well, just like getting a good night's sleep eating the right things extra, the basics. you know doing you know looking after yourself physically getting yourself out connecting with other people talking to people about how you feel like i think if you don't look at we're all creatives are people we sometimes see ourselves as different to everyone else or we don't we don't Hard like we ourselves. don't like to talk about we for whatever reason we don't identify as being people that care about well-being or caring about fitness and things so we maybe don't look after ourselves enough and i think if you want to create good art if you're healthy and happy you're going to make better art. Did I just say the word, are you healthy and happy? Jesus Christ. I sound like such a wank right now. But, no, um, these are important things. Important but I think things. I think that's very true and something I need that to remind true. myself more. We it, all do. We all need to remind ourselves to be kind and cut ourselves a bit slack, certainly. And we're in the sun, so we've got a lot of vitamin D. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, get your vitamin yeah. D. Always yeah. good. Exactly. But just, yeah, look after yourself. Be kind to yourself. Well, yeah. Jamie, you ask everyone on the podcast. <laughs> She's got it in. She's got it in. <laughs> What is the worst real job that you have ever had? And obviously you don't need to say You know what? <laughs> you have just said this by accident. I need to start asking. that. You have just changed this podcast forever, Rebecca. I always ask, what's the worst part-time job? I need to start asking, what's the worst real job you'd ever worked? Why did we not do that before, Elliot? This is an exclusive. Thank you, Rebecca. You can You're welcome. Absolute genius. You changed the question for good. Um, I like rights on that, please. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you the go. worst <laughs> real job. So I've been really lucky, actually. I've only had, I've actually, because I've been in the job I'm doing now, part-time job I'm doing now, I've only been doing it for four years. So I've done that for four years. So that's, I've done that for ages. But before that, I had a few jobs. Mm-hmm. The worst job I ever had was I worked at a Chinese. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just going to name them. I have no, I don't know them anything. I usually, you know, Chopsticks it was called. Mark Inch, I was in Mark Inch. 
the worst people I've ever worked. Horrible. We got paid £30 a night for a seven and a half hour shift. Oh my God. It was like so illegal. And the first day I went in, I did my training. They said, we're not paying you for training. We'll pay you in a meal. Oh no. I bought, so I got a chicken fried rice and was or it even good? The meal. So it was okay. But I was on the phones. I was doing, de- doing delivery and stuff. Um, it was fine. It was an, it, you know, it was a fun, fun job to look back on. But I was only there for free. I actually got fired. <laughs> no, Jimmy. I got fired the day I was meant to my, the day of my last shift because um, I'd basically Damien. I'm going to call him out on this. He dropped me. He told me I would work his shift on the Sunday when I was on a night out in Edinburgh on the Saturday. They phoned me at two in the morning after they'd closed the Chinese or like text me or something to remind you you're due in tomorrow. And I was like, no, I'm, I won't be in. I'm in liquid rooms having a nice night with my mates. And I didn't go in, and they were raging. And then on the Monday, I was so scared to go in because they were so angry at me. I called in sick and they sacked me. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've been lucky ever since. And screw them, man. Screw and I've not really had any bad jobs apart Take from that. Take your chicken fried rice. I've not really had, <laughs> I've not really had any bad, bad real jobs since then. Like working in care is a really rewarding job. Oh, I yeah. I have bad days. days it's not what I want to do yeah. with my life, but it's a lovely job. Lovely people Absolutely. work with some amazing people who I've met and look at and work and talk support. about inspiring like. it's so inspiring like working with people with disabilities so I think you know understand disability is a great thing and yeah. a lot of transferable skills for working on Absolutely. sets and things so yeah I've been quite lucky so I've not got the best real job answer Jasmine's <laughs> still winning that one but um, yeah that's my answer perfect well we have another live question from the lovely oh, it's your boy oh, how's go. it going <laughs> So actually, this is a question for both of you, so you can enter individually, um, <laughs> because obviously we've got the podcast here, and it's been going really well, and obviously Lockdown Links has been incredible as well, and it's such an amazing project. I kind of want to ask you, from starting the projects individually used to, to now, how it's been growing and you know all that, what have you discovered now that you haven't discovered before doing these projects what skills have you obtained and stuff like that and (laughs) what what have you learned most about yourself that you've never discovered before that's kind of my question really do you want to go first (laughs) okay i'll give it a go after that strong big gulp of mojito (laughs) um yeah i don't know i think for me like as i've always kind of said that it's always something i've really wanted to do and i love talking to people meeting new people and bringing people together is just amazing and um yeah i think in the beginning i always really thought that you know it's just going to be my pals like people i know they're going to come together and we're just going to chat and that's good enough for me and i suppose i just didn't realize the scale of it and every session just inspires me and it's amazing what people come on and what professions you know they're delving into and it's just wonderful and one of the things that amazes me is people when I ask them to come on or they say they're coming on and they ask what do we talk about and I say it's a mix of things anything you're working on and they go I'm doing I've not worked on anything I've been doing nothing and then they come on and the woman that was on like last week went oh I've written three novels (laughs) and I'm like that is amazing so um yeah I think one of the things I've learned about myself is to not like worry and to cut myself some slack and a bit of everyone's doing something creative in different ways and um, we kind of spoke about it earlier as well um, about mental health and things as well like last few months have been particularly tough for me and what I've learned is doesn't matter if I'm acting doing doing lockdown links doing choose film having a wee paint on my new easel um, <laughs> It helps me, it distracts me and takes me away from 
real life and um, yeah it's just amazing to have all these people when they come on and say that they're working on something it inspires me to go and do that and I never really kind of thought of it that way it's helpful and it brings so much joy and yeah yeah that's a that's a that was a great question from Elliot and I enjoyed your answer <laughs> as well no it's, it's great and the thing is Rebecca you're doing like such a remarkable job of it and like you know what had over 100 guests now on lockdown yeah 105 lockdown links <laughs> is just you know if you're listening and you haven't been yet go go and check out rebecca's yes, lockdown links it's, it's very it's a lovely idea and it, you know it, i've enjoyed it i've been to i think four sessions and <laughs> yes really good jamie has shares <laughs> yeah i practically have shares now so um yeah and it's been great my answer to Ellie's question i'm trying to think um what have i learned doing this so much how to speak into a microphone is a good i keep telling you all the time to speak into it. well he's learning he's learning he's no, getting i've learned so much because i produce this podcast the host it. i have to find the guests i have to research, research for them a lot, yeah. i have to do the social media i've learned how to do instagram i'm still learning but you know i love that stuff so i've learned loads i think it's done wonders for my confidence it gave me such a good outlet when um you know when my granddad died and stuff like i was we were quite early into the podcast and i was I'm really yeah. I still miss him to bits like I, I love my granddad like he was my best mate but you know this was such a good distraction for me that when he was dying and when he passed away because it kept me going in that dark time as well and it's it's just an absolute joy to when we're sitting in the sun drinking meals chatting <laughs> to each other this is this is it like in person this is the, you know this is great and I've had some fantastic conversations with some brilliant people got loads of good ones lined up and you know I get to contact people I'm interested in and ask them to chat to me yeah. for an hour and, and get get to be curious and you know I've learned loads as well just like how to put a mic on how to conduct an interview like, <laughs> make, yeah. and I just love having a wee creative space like getting to write because I get to write the questions I get to decide what I ask we even like planning this special was so fun to like plan that you'll come mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll be in the garden and we'll film we're going to try and film it for YouTube and you know stuff like that it's just so fun to just get to have this space to create things and like getting guests to play music and showcasing things i love it and let's you know hope we can keep going and you yeah. know make more and more episodes we've got some amazing things planned over the summer and we want to go to the fringe and yeah and we'll definitely do more episodes together rebecca in the yes. future because it's been a blast it's been I so know. fun i'm Only so, I'm so proud of you jamie honestly i'm really <laughs> thank am, you so, Elliot. yeah it's all good well is that the interview? Is that it? I think that might be us finished. My glass is nearly empty, so yeah. I think so. <laughs> well, that, this has been amazing. Rebecca, thank you for taking over the no, podcast. They've done an amazing me. job. It's been really nice to come on. And again, like, uh, just echoing what Elliot said, like, I think me kind of going, do you know what? I'm just going to go for lockdown links. I think it was this podcast, really, like, seeing that and going, do you know, let's oh, just do stuff. it. Because it was always in the back burner. And I think seen you guys were doing it and ever since then more and more people are bringing out things and it's all so helpful and inspiring so yeah you should both be very proud of what you've built up and it feels like years ago when i was on i know it's six months <laughs> but, um, it's only a new episode only came out in january but it feels like a lifetime ago we've done but, um, so much yeah. yeah it's come on so so much and fingers crossed we'll be in the garden again for your next birthday or special. maybe even allowed to be inside and <gasps> oh. a studio D- dare to dream <laughs> dare to dream we'll see brilliant man thank you Rebecca and thank you to all the listeners for your continued support and you know listening to this and it was great to be able to do a birthday special yeah. Yeah, people were asking they wanted me to go on so I've done it now I hope you're happy <laughs> with what the result is and yeah I'm away to enjoy the rest of my 25th birthday celebrations yes happy birthday Jamie 
Thank you for listening to part two of this special episode of Just Get A Real Job. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Rebecca. I hope I came across okay. It's really, really fun to be the guest on the podcast and get to talk about my life for a change instead of interviewing. It was obviously great as well to finally record a face-to-face interview. It was great to meet Rebecca. And again, a massive thank you to Rebecca for hosting. A massive thank you to Elliot for his great work in the edit and doing sound as always. And a big shout out to Caroline for filming this. Obviously, we will be putting this out as a video in some point in the future. We don't know when. Videos are a lot harder to edit than podcasts. So we will be releasing this on YouTube at some point. So you get to, if you're interested, you could watch it. But yes, thank you for your continued support. It's it's always great to sort of do these specials. And, it, you know, it's so fun. And it's been such a great journey so far. We're, we're 33 episodes in got some great conversations lined up with people um, in the future so thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed it we're hoping to do more things like this again but yeah as always if you can support the podcast please consider donating to our patreon page link to that in the show notes you can also support us by giving us a five star review on apple podcasts or just by sharing podcasts with friends and family why not tell five friends who work in the arts or are interested in the arts to go and listen i think they might enjoy it that would be a big help anyway thank you again for listening i hope you enjoyed And we'll be back with our normal service next week on Tuesday and I'll be returning to the whole seat. But wherever you are in the world right now, I hope you're well and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Just get a read.